Do you realize how precious you are in God's sight? He adores us. He adores us. And he will do something new if we but open our hearts to it and seek him. Welcome to First and Foremost, a weekly broadcast of First Presbyterian Church in the heart of downtown Greenville. Senior Pastor Richard Gibbons invites you to join us as we study God's Word together and discover what is first and foremost in our lives. It's a real joy this morning to be able to open the Word uh, to you. We're going to be looking at Isaiah 43. So if you have your Bibles, this is our scripture reading. Chapter 43, verse 14. This is God's Word. This is what the Lord says. Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel... For your sake, I will send to Babylon and bring down as fugitives all the Babylonians in the ships in which they took pride. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's Creator, your King. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and the reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the desert and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. This is God's Word. Would you pray with me? And this morning, Lord, as we open your Word you, O Holy Spirit, who inspired Isaiah to write these words, would you illuminate our hearts now that they would penetrate deep within us, and we thank you for them as we make this prayer in the name of the living word, Jesus. Amen. Now, I want to look at this passage in three ways this morning. First of all, I want to go back and look. What Isaiah does is he focuses first on the people's salvation. He focuses, in our language, he focuses on the gospel. He takes them back to the basic plan of salvation. And then after that, he tells them there are certain things you've got to forget. There are certain things you have to move on. There are times that you have to let things go and move on in your life. And then he looks to the future and he says, oh, but I'm doing something new and rich and wonderful in your life. And so I want us to look at that. He starts, first of all, with these incredible promises about salvation. He's reflecting on this work of deliverance, God's promises to deliver and to save his people. And notice how God is addressed in this passage. He says, I am your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's Creator, your King. In effect, what he's saying is, 
don't forget who I am. By the way, he uses the term Holy One of Israel. That was Isaiah's favorite title for God in his book. And if you remember anything about Isaiah, you probably remember why that would be the case. Do you remember chapter 6? Where in the, in the year of King Uzziah's death, God gave Isaiah a vision of God in all of his glory. And he saw the Lord high and lifted up. And there were these magnificent uh, angelic beings. And they cried out to one another, holy, holy, holy. Remember it? Isaiah never forgot that. And so he often referred to, uh, to God as the Holy One of Israel. But I want to look at another term there. I want you to look at his name, your Redeemer. Your Redeemer. Isaiah had a very limited understanding of the meaning of this word. He knew what God had said in the opening verse of this chapter. He said, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name, and you're mine. And what was God saying to the people there? He said, you don't have to be afraid because I have purchased you. Not only did I make you, not only am I your creator, but I actually bought you with a price. I purchased you, I summoned you by name, and made you my own possession. I love you, I accept you. You are my precious possession. And I don't know about you, but I need to hear that. To be reminded of how God views me. One who's loved and one who's accepted and one who is precious in the sight of God. That's how God views us. And even though Isaiah didn't have a full comprehension of what it meant, I am your redeemer, he had insight into it. In chapter 53 of Isaiah, you would remember that, the suffering servant. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. All we like sheep have gone astray, each to his own way. But the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. And Isaiah knew that God was making a promise. And the promise was that one day the Redeemer will come. One day the Messiah will come. And he would be the one who paid the price. He would be the, the one who purchased us. And Isaiah knew that. But we, we're on the other side of the cross. And we know who this Redeemer is. We know that this is Jesus. And that we were purchased for God by the very blood of Jesus himself. Remember who God is. He is your Redeemer. The one who loves you with an infinite love. The one who purchased you with the blood of his own son. And remember who you are. You are precious to him. You are loved by him. You are accepted unconditionally because he loves you. And because he paid for you. You are his. He calls us by name. We are his. Now, you stop and think about this. Do you see what God is saying to his people? He's saying, I've gone to a great extent to save you. I've provided the way out of your captivity. I've freed you. And we have to ask the question, why would God do such a thing to these people? Now, I'd get you to go back and read the first 39 chapters. It's not very pretty. In fact, as God was taught, very same people that he wrote these promises to in the first 39 chapters, let me tell you what he said about them. He said, he said, you're rebellious. You have forsaken me. 
Your land is full of idols. You have turned to idols rather than turning to me. You're proud, you're haughty people, and your religion is a sham. You come trampling into my courts, and you go through the motions, but your heart is not even with me. He's been saying that. How on earth could God love somebody like that? But he does. And lest we go too far without bringing this to really bear upon ourselves, aren't we just like those people, honestly? Rebellious, proud, haughty. Oh, we have our idols, those things that we make more important than God. And how often do we slip back into religion where we just go through the motions without a deep heart for God, not being in awe of who God is. We just go through the motions because we're good, nice people. We're church people, right? Well, that's what they were. They were church people. They were going through the motions, but they lost their heart for God. And God comes to those people in that condition, and he says, but I love you. Do you see the gospel here? This is the heart of the message of the Christian faith. It's not about us working really hard to earn God's favor. It's about a God who comes to us just as we are and loves us and accepts us and purchases us through the blood of his Son. And it's through that alone that we have standing with him. And thus we are precious in his sight, and we are loved and honored. Now here's what he's saying, and here's what I'm saying to you this morning as we start this new year. Do not forget the gospel. Martin Luther said the gospel is for Christians. We Christians need to preach the gospel to ourselves. And as you go into this new year, every single day when you get up in the morning, Preach the gospel to yourself. Remember who God is. Remember who you are. Remember what God has done for you. He has redeemed you, and you are loved and honored. Now, that's where he comes. It's only when you get that that you can move to the next thing that he's going to say here. Once we get the gospel, we can then look at verse 18. Here it is. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Because God loves us and accepts us as his children, we can let go of past failures and hurts. Because God loves us and accepts us, we can let go of past failures and hurts. What God is calling us to here is a discriminate forgetfulness of the past. Let me say that again. A discriminate forgetfulness of the past. Why is it discriminate? There are things you better never forget. I just told you. Don't forget the gospel, right? Never forget God's love. Never forget his faithfulness. There are things you don't forget. You don't forget the lessons that God teaches us. And some of those lessons come through hard times. Chapter 43, verse 2, when you pass through the waters, and you will. He doesn't say if. 
When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Look, who knows what we're going to face this year. And I guarantee you this, some of us will go through deep waters. And some of us will go through fiery trials. But we're never alone. We will not drown. We will not be burned up. Because God said, I'm with you. I will uphold you. He doesn't say we won't face difficulties. But he says the difference is I will be with you. And you can rest in that. Never forget what God teaches us through even those times of difficulties. There are things that we don't forget. However, there are certainly things that we should forget. Past failures, past sins, past regrets, past hurts. It's been interesting this morning. This is the third time I preached this. And after, particularly after the first service, a couple of people came up to me and said, this is so hard because we've been so wounded. We've been so hurt. And I'm going to tell you something. Unless you get the gospel, you can never do what this verse says. You can never move on in your life. I have met people who have been, whose lives have been paralyzed with bitterness because they've been hurt and they can't get over it. I've been with people who have had so much guilt. They've had these regrets. Look, which one of us, when we look back over this past year, which one of us doesn't have regrets? We've said things we wish we hadn't have said. We've done things we wish we hadn't have done. And you know what? You can dwell on those things, and I will promise you this. They will eat you alive and destroy your life. Certainly the joy in your life, and certainly the peace in your life, and certainly your witness. There are things we have to let go of. There are things we never forget. But the things we have to let go of. Some of you that have been through difficult times this year, you've lost people that you loved. You never forget that. But at the same time, you remember that God says He will come to you and He will comfort you. That's the promise here. Let go of those things that pull us down. Forgetting what lies behind. And then that brings us to the third thing he says here. Look at verse 19. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. I'm doing a new thing here. Now, let me give you sort of theologically, biblically, redemptive history real quick here. What is he talking about? He's talking about the promise of redemption. That's the new thing. It's the redemption that is coming through the Messiah. And he says, that's what I'm going to do. I'm doing this new thing. I'm redeeming you. Now, what is he saying here? He's saying that we have to let go of the past and look forward to God's providence and grace in the future. That's what he's saying. Things that we have to let go of. And I want to ask you this question, and I'm dead serious about this question. Do you believe that it's possible 
for God to do something new in your life? You believe this? You know, we staunch Presbyterians, we get set, we get set in our ways. You know? Do you believe God can do something new in your life? I know one of the things I've been praying for, you know, God's given me this, this opportunity in, in my latter part of my ministry uh, to be here with you. And one of the biggest things I'm praying for, just the deepest thing of my heart, is to see a, a movement of renewal take place. Because God's church, Christ's church, desperately needs to be renewed. And wouldn't it be something if it started with us? Wouldn't it be something? But don't you want that for your life? Don't you want to be in awe of God? Don't you want a, a, a new sense of his beauty, a new sense of his glory to be taken with him? And God is saying, it's possible. See, don't you perceive it? I'm doing a new thing. It was Paul's one thing when he said, not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself as having taken hold of it yet, but one thing, here it is, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what's ahead. He was saying the same thing that Isaiah is saying. Forgetting what's behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. And this morning, I want to say to you on this first day of the year, that is the greatest goal we could have for our lives. That we're going to press on. And we're going to know Jesus in new and greater ways. We're going to see him in ways we've not seen him before. We will behold his beauty. What David longed for more than anything else. The one thing David said. Oh, to behold the beauty of the Lord. And I pray we see the beauty of the Lord this morning. That's the new thing that he's talking about. Oh, that we long for that. As we go through this time to be committed, to want to know him in deeper and greater ways. But I want to move to, to just very quickly to another level here for a minute for our church. I, I want to just say to you in the last year, I've, I've told, I told Richard this. In my 30 years at the church I served before coming here, there were three or four times that I sensed that God was doing something in a significant way. Three or four times. It was just something, something different. And I want to tell you something. I sense that greater now here than I ever did then. And I don't know about you. I really sense God's doing something new here. I really believe that we're recapturing the absolute wonder of the gospel again. And I'll tell you this, we had before us opportunities. You wouldn't believe the opportunities that God has put in our laps as this church. To not only that we see renewal within our own church, but we now have an opportunity to be a renewal agent for the whole ECO. 
I'm meeting with pastors, other pastors in town here, talking about renewal. And I'm telling you, God is working in churches in Greenville. Wouldn't it be something if we saw a real fresh movement of God in this community? That the gospel went sweeping through this community? God says, I'm doing a new thing. Do you believe it? Oh, let's pray for this. That's why Wednesday we've got this prayer service on kingdom-focused prayer. That's what we're going to be praying for. Brian, this morning, how he handled the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Let's pray for that, for that new thing to take place. We have opportunities before us. And then look at what God says. He says, I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Now, I want you to look at that verse. Because let me tell you what that verse is about. I'm making a way in the desert. The desert is a dry place, easy to get lost in. But God says, I'm coming to make a way in the desert. Listen to that language, a way in the desert. And streams in the wasteland. Now, what is he referring to here? He's talking about Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way. Right? I am the way. I am the way in the desert. When you need that refreshment, when you need life, when you need hope, I'm the way, even when you're in the desert. And even if you are in the desert and I'm leading you along the way, there are going to be these streams of water that flow into you. And do you remember what Jesus said about that? He said, from your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. And you know what he was talking about? The promise of the Spirit who was to come. And Jesus has sent the Spirit. As we start out this new year, even if we're in the desert, even if we feel like we're being overwhelmed with life, God has made this promise. I will make a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland for my chosen people. Here it is. Do you realize, do you realize how loved you are? Do you realize how precious you are in God's sight? He adores us. He adores us. And he will do something new if we but open our hearts to it and seek him, he will bless us with rivers, rivers of living water that can flow out of us and affect all around us and all we come in contact with. Beloved, that's my prayer for us this year is that we rediscover the glory, the wonder of the message of the gospel in Jesus, our Redeemer. 
Let's bow heads in prayer. And this morning, Lord, as we come to this time to end our service, I pray first of all that we would rejoice in our salvation, that we would rediscover, so to speak, the gospel and stand in awe of your love and acceptance of us. Broken, fallen people, and yet we are justified sinners because of what Jesus has done for us. Oh God, thank you. Thank you for your salvation, for the wonder of it all. And Lord, there are those of us here who need to let go of things this morning. We're still holding on to them. There are those that we need to forgive. And perhaps we even need to forgive ourselves. And we know that's only possible through your son Jesus. We even prayed a few minutes ago, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And yet, Lord, some of us are still holding grudges and bitterness. Today we choose to let that go. Our regrets, our guilt, whatever those things are that are destroying us inside. God, by the power of the gospel, we leave behind. And we look forward to that new thing that you have promised us. The way in the desert, streams in the wasteland, as we, as we move forward into this new year. Oh, Lord, refresh your people. And we give you thanks as we make this prayer. In the name of our God, our Redeemer, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Hi, my name is Richard Gibbons. I'm one of the pastors here at First Presbyterian. If you are wondering what First Presbyterian Church is like, one of the things you will discover is that each time you come, you will receive a very warm welcome. I have the pleasure of assisting with a number of ministries here at this church. I teach five new member classes a year. Also help to lead mission trips to the Dominican Republic. And uh, we at this church do a number of things that impact our community. It's a wonderful place to serve. It's a wonderful place to belong. My main responsibilities include family ministries, which is marriage, men's ministry, and young adults. I also have the joy of serving the night worship service. My passion here at the church is to point others to the love and grace found in Jesus Christ. My particular job is in education, uh, whether it's adult education or youth or children. I have something to do with it uh, and would love to talk with you at any time about the things that you can learn from the Bible in our education courses here at First Presbyterian Church. Congregational care covers a lot of ground in a, a church like ours. Essentially, we believe that uh, the mission of the church is to care for one another uh, as well as to outreach in the community. So our desire is to provide for the spiritual, emotional, and physical care of the members of our congregation and extend that also to the needs of our community. 
I'm Tina Jones. I'm the director of the children's ministry here at First Presbyterian. Scripture says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. We have a very vibrant children's ministry. When you come on a Sunday morning, your children have not just childcare, we also offer ministry. One of the amazing things about First Presbyterian is our location. We're situated at the heart of Greenville, a growing and vibrant city. Everything from children's ministry and youth ministry to a prayer ministry and being very active in the community gives us an opportunity to spread and share the love of Christ. If you're looking for a Sunday morning experience that is engaging, vibrant and life transforming, please come and join us. Thank you.